0: Well, good morning. 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 I appreciate that enthusiastic response. (laughs) Hey, just a quick question before I get started. Did anybody else wake up about quarter to five this morning ready for their day because of the time change? Me and Bo. Yeah, thank you. Yep, hard at it. So uh, it's a special day and I've been asked this morning... ...to just take a few minutes and give us a biblical perspective on the idea of adoption. And you know you don't have to spend very much time in Scripture... ...without running across God's heart for adoption... ...and how He cares for those most vulnerable children that are among us. Scripture is full of it. I'm going to put some up on the screen and and read them to you. And this is just a small amount. Deuteronomy 10.18... He, God, executes justice for the fatherless. Exodus 22, 21 and 22. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. Psalm ten fourteen. To you, the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. And then Psalm 68, 5. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. And we're very familiar with James 127, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their afflictions. And we could go on and on and on because scripture goes on and on and on, promising blessings to those who bless the fatherless, warning those who oppress them, and promising to protect them. And there's no doubt that God has a heart for the fatherless. He's clear about it, and he's clear about our responsibility for these children. And I, I want to pause right here and just and just stop and say there's probably a lot of you sitting out there right now who think I can tune out now, right? Because I'm not in a position to adopt. This message really doesn't have anything. To do with me, but I to that I would say you're wrong, it's pretty blunt, um, but I'm gonna say it. It has everything to do with you and with me as a body of Christ. There are so many ways to gather around this issue, there are so many ways to be involved, and just through my own experience, we've seen our church family be involved financially in ways that we never dreamed were possible. The prayer. That we've received has been amazing. Those of you who are willing to get a little bit of training and do respite care so that foster families can take a break from time to time and step back is a, is a huge gift to those families. Serving, giving to our shelters, visiting with those children. Um, Helping our adoption agencies, children Home Society is here this morning. They, they have a dream and a goal of putting a, a, a facility here in Raleigh County, an office here in Raleigh County, so they can better meet the needs of people here in Raleigh County. And it, it would be great if through this church we could help facilitate that somehow. You could help facilitate that somehow. So, so don't think that this call by God is just some small small section of our church, some small subset of our church. It's a call by God to the entire church. And yes, some of you that are sitting here today, you ought to pray about, Lord, should I open my home to fostering? Should I be interested in adoption? And you should pray about that. But we should all be asking God, what would you have me to do What would you have me to do? And the reason why we ask that question is because adoption is at the center of the gospel. And there's no clearer picture of his heart for adoption than the fact that he adopts. Our God adopts. Why should I be interested in adoption? Because God is interested in adoption and he has been since the fall of man throughout history. John Piper put it this way, the deepest and strongest foundation for our adoption is located not in the act of humans adopting humans, but in God adopting humans. And this act is not part of his ordinary providence in the world, it is at the heart of the gospel. And so in the next few moments, I want to explore, we're going to look at six ways. They only gave me 12 minutes, so relax. Okay, it's going to be brief, each one of them. All right. But I want to look at six ways that the adoption of children reflects the adoption of us by the father. And we're going to be exploring that in Galatians chapter four, one through seven. If you want to look there in your copy of scripture, you can. I also have it on the screens for you. And I'd like to read it for us. What I am saying is this, that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were under age, we were, this is our condition, in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, because you are his sons. God sent his spirit, the spirit of his son, into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So the very first way that we see that adoption of children reflects the gospel is that adoption involves a plan. Paul tells us that adoption came for us when the set time had fully come. In in other versions, it said when the fullness of time had come. In other words, there was a point in history where God said, this is it. This is where my son comes into history and why that point is what it is, okay, I've heard that conversation a lot. Whatever the circumstances were that that decided that, God said, this is when I'm going to put my plan in motion. And he sent his son who lived a sinless life and died on the cross and paid for our sins. And no prospective parent enters into the adoption process without a plan. The state requires some training, and your home has to be in a certain condition, and Marilyn may talk about some of that, I don't know. Okay, I mean, there's classes to take and there's preparation and you have to make a plan. But I'm going to tell you, all of these things just fall into place. When we're removing to God's prompting in our lives. For Sandy and I, we we didn't think that our two oldest kids would go off to college. And we would end up fostering and adopting children. That wasn't our plan 10 years ago, but it was God's plan. And I'm so glad that I didn't ignore God's plan or make excuses when He began to reveal that plan. But I just, we just said, whatever you would have, Lord. Here's a second way, another way that adoption reflects the gospel adoptions can be costly. It can be costly. Look again in verse 4 and 5. We see that God sent his son to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption to sonship. We see the word to redeem and we think, well, God paid for us. He did. He paid for us with the life of Jesus Christ on the cross. It was costly. Our heavenly father spent what it took To adopt us. And it was the horrible violent death of his son. And I love the scripture says. He redeemed to adopt. Right. Because he did. He redeemed us. He bought us so that he could adopt us. He could place us into his family. Redeem means to purchase or to set free. And it was a high price that he paid. His life for ours. And I would like to tell you. I'd like to stand up here and say, well, you know, if you decide to care for fathers children, that it's all just sunshine and roses, right? Every day you just wake up and it's just joy and happiness and peace and contentment. All right? I would love to tell you that. But it isn't. And sometimes it comes at a cost. It, it might cost you financially. It might cost some of you the comfort. That you've come to achieve. You've worked hard to get where you are. In your comfort zone. And you want to stay there. For some of us, Glenn. It's costing us some of our retirement years. Right? We're a little bit older. Our plan all along probably wasn't to to spend these days of our lives raising young children. It could just be the disruption of you've got your happy little family. Right? You wanted 2.5 kids and a picket fence. And you got them. And you're just... It could cause some disruption of that, some inconvenience. Sometimes it's a difficult process. But aren't you glad that God didn't consider the price of our adoption to be too high? The price he paid for you and for I, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he went to the cross and he paid a debt that we couldn't pay. Costly, yes, worth it. God thinks so. Also, adoption reflects the gospel because it takes kids out of terrible situations. Verse 5 tells us that, that God sent his son for us while we were under the law. And for us as humankind, that meant that we were in this impossible situation because we were sinners by nature. But we were trapped in a system where we had to try to be good enough for a holy God. And it was an impossible task. We cannot do that. So Jesus paid the price for our redemption by perfectly obeying God's law for us and taking our punishment on the cross in our place. He lived a life that we could not live, and he died a death that we could not have died in order to redeem us. We were in a terrible, hopeless, agonizing In fact, later in Scripture, Paul calls us slaves to our sin. We were just trapped. And Ephesians says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God. And so He's the rescuer, He's the perfect Father. takes us out of this hopeless situation and makes us his child, and we move from death unto life because of the gospel. And foster care and adoption are a way to try to help some kids who are in really, really tough spots have a place where they can be safe, and they can be nurtured, and they can grow. Yes, we pray for those parents, particularly in West Virginia today, where, where we know a majority of kids are being taken out of homes because of drug use. We pray for those parents, right? We see both ends of that issue in our church today, don't we? In the house tonight, we got, we got or this morning, we got safe house guys and we got Sparrows Nest ladies, and they have kids that they love, right? And so they want, they want to do what's right. They want to get their lives in order, and they want to be right before God, and they want to be able to have those children in their home. And they should, but not everybody does it. And there has to be a place for these kids to go, and there has to be a safe haven. There has to be a, 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 a nurturing and caring family that they can be a part of. And so we as rescued children need to plug in and help rescue children to provide a safe place in a very stormy life. Adoption also reflects the gospel because it involves the spirit of sonship. When we put our trust in Christ, we move from being a slave to being a son or a child of God, right? We're not sort of children of God. We're not God's partial children or his stepchildren. Scripture never indicates that in any way. He declares us to be his children, and that comes with a new identity, a new destiny, a completely different future, and a a new family, And as the Spirit cries out and calls him, Abba, Father, now we can say, Abba, Father. I have a father. It's a very intimate term, Father, Papa. And we can call him that because he's assured our place in his family. That's how it is with human adoption. Children are called son or daughter, and they're given the same rights as any other child in that family. You know, one of the questions I hear a lot or one of the terms I hear a lot is, well, well tell me about your real children or how are James and Annie different than your real children, okay? And I'm, I live with James and Annie. They're pretty real. I mean, they're about as, they're about as real as it gets, okay, in, in every way, from sin nature to sweetness. It's all there, all right? But I, I don't care for the term because we don't see them any differently, Right. We do have biological children and we do have adopted children, but they're all the same to us. All the same. I mean, imagine if God saw us differently based on some behavior that we had to meet or like under the law. And we've moved out of that. And I know when people say that, they don't mean anything by it. Right. So I don't fuss with them. Okay, But our kids. We love them fiercely. And we pray for them faithfully. We discipline them when they need it, and they need it. And we never doubt that they're right where God wants them. And while I'm not the perfect father, far from it, I can point them to the perfect father. And my heart's desire is that they come to know that there will be times where I will fail them But that perfect father never will. And they need to know him. And they need to not just be adopted into my family. But they also need to be adopted into the family of Christ. Another way that adoption then reflects the gospel is this. Adoption transforms a child in every way. So for Christians, when God adopts us into his family, we become brothers and sisters. Right? And God begins to do this transforming work in our life. It says it all throughout Scripture. Romans chapter 1 and 2 is a place. Verse 19 in this chapter, Paul talks about God having his children, um, his children having been Christ formed in you. And he's working to change us, to see us conform to the image of Jesus. And that's what happens when a child enters into a, a, a different home. They begin to fit into the culture of that home. I've talked about that a little bit before, even from the pulpit here, when I had the opportunity to speak, how every house is distinctive, right? There are things that are done in some of your homes that are never done in my home, okay? I, I, I'm, I'm not going to look at the guy when I say it, but I would never have a little dog in my house where I had a place inside on a little pee pad for him to go to the bathroom, okay? That's just not how I roll. There's nothing wrong with it. Go for it. Some of you do that, Okay? Um, some of you would never let your kids sit in front of the TV and eat dinner and watch Disney Channel. Sorry, we roll like that sometimes. Every, every house has a different culture, right? And we use different terminology even for different things, and, and it's just different. And so just as we have entered into Christ We begin to conform to the culture of Christianity and to the person of Jesus. That's what happens when kids sometimes come into our home, whether it's bedtime routines or, again, what what particularly you're having to eat. And then kids will begin to adopt to that culture. And I'm not saying that, that any are better than others, but it is very similar what we do as to how the gospel works, right? And it can be a really beautiful thing, especially if the culture that a child's coming from is a destructive place. And then the last way I wanted to mention this morning is that adoption makes the child an heir. Verse 7 says, you were a slave and now you're not a slave. Now you're an heir and as a child of God, you and I have an inheritance. And that inheritance is great, right? We, we are now a child of God, the creator of the universe who thought it and spoke it into being. Who is perfect and holy in every way. And we could, throw out attribute after attribute after attribute to talk about God. And so the inheritance of being in that family is great. But we should remember that the value of an inheritance is determined by the worth of the person giving it. And our Father has infinite worth. There's so many things that we could talk about inheriting from him, but the greatest of those things is the fact that God gave us himself. Psalm 73, 25 says, Who have I in heaven but you, and there is nothing that I desire beside you. We get an eternity in the presence of our heavenly father. In the same way, fatherless children who are taken into foster homes and adopted, right? Right? They receive an inheritance that would not be possible in their current situation, okay, because of their past circumstances. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily talking about financial gain, okay? My kids certainly aren't going to get a great deal of money when I'm gone, and now they have to split it four ways, so they're, they're really out of luck, all right? But I hope to leave a heritage with them that will live on for a long time, A heritage of godliness, of character, of integrity, of hard work, of love, of compassion. I hope they have a spirit of adventure. I want them to take the best that Sandy and I have to offer and to live it out and to pass it on. And so I want to challenge you to ask the question that I talked about earlier. Lord, what would you have me do? Because the handprints of the gospel are all over this idea of caring for fatherless children. And there are literally hundreds of ways for you as a Christ follower to get involved. If you can't think of any, just come and see me. All right? I can can think of a hundred. But mostly I'm going to ask you in just a minute, I'm going to close in prayer. Because I want you, where you sit there, to pray and ask the Lord God, what would you have me to do? you're sitting with a spouse, pray it together, what would you have us to do and see if God will open your heart or your mind and even doors for you to take action. Father, I'm thankful for this place where the idea of caring for fathers as children is celebrated and encouraged. Lord, help us to know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Help those of us who have already fostered and adopted to know what the next step is. Help those of us sitting here who are just single to know how to jump in and get involved, where to to help, how to give. Help those of us who are elderly, to know what to do. Lord, help us. Help us to know and help us to respond to your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.